You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad, buy all of the things I never had. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Welcome in, Browns fans, to this Locked on Browns podcast, Tuesday, December 6th. Thanks for taking some time. Thanks for all of the new subscribers on iTunes and all of you that are clicking uh, through Audio Boom. Always appreciate all the support, all the feedback, all the conversation that comes out of these podcasts and where it takes us as fellow Browns fans. It has been really interesting over the last kind of couple days Uh, Just some of the things that I've been hitting on over the last few weeks, um, starting to kind of really come out, uh, especially on the Philadelphia Eagles side, including I got a link sent to me today of a podcast from the Eagles, uh, kind of people that cover the team and just uh, their conversation about maybe or how the Browns kind of fleece the Eagles and how that trade, which early in this uh, year was... uh, kind of set up as the Browns, another LOL for them. And so just been a really interesting week uh, continuing to process this team, which is a team in process. So uh, the opening song, uh, I Want to Be a Billionaire, was just a song about money for a reason. And that's because if you have On Demand and you have Fox or FX Movie, you can watch Moneyball. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Moneyball is the baseball movie uh, with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, um, where the Oakland Athletics, with their limited uh, budget, try to figure out ways to win in a world of New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox outspending everybody. So they lost Jason Giambi, Johnny Damon, and the rest of the crew because they just didn't have the money. And so Jonah Hill helps... Uh, Brad Pitt's character, the GM, to uh, figure things out in a different way, an analytics way, a math way, an economics kind of way. And so when the Browns hired Sashi Brown uh, and the rest of the analytics crew, that was some of the conversation. And that conversation kind of grew when the Browns hired Paul D. Podesta. The reason that conversation grew is because the character that Jonah Hill played while he was giving a different, given a different name, is actually Paul D. Podesta. Started with the Indians, went to the A's, did a whole bunch of other things. And so that idea of Moneyball uh, and why the Browns are called the NFL's Moneyball is primarily because of Paul D. Podesta, who is Jonah Hill, if you watch the movie. And so I just happened to have that on while I was doing some other things today. And there was a topic that came up that Uh, really just kind of drew me in. So today, normally I'm kind of a two-segment kind of guy, uh, but today we'll have three segments, all a little shorter, especially the last one just kind of hit on uh, RG3 in this week a little bit. Uh, But today's first segment, I really want to focus on a a term, an idea that I think is going to be important for Browns and Browns fans kind of going forward, and that's the idea of market inefficiency. And so early in the movie, Jonah Hill uh, is meeting with Brad Pitt kind of secretively in Cleveland and talks about market inefficiency. And what it really is, is what the market does not value, he did. 
An example of this is uh, in the early 90s, uh, the market didn't really value signing your young players to long-term extensions in Major League Baseball. It was always really about waiting until they really had proven themselves, had gotten closer to uh, free agency till the point that uh, you've used up all the arbitration years, and then you kind of try to sign them to a long-term deal. The problem with that for the Indians was they couldn't afford to sign them to those kind of long-term deals at that point. But what they could do is buy out their arbitration years, spend some a little bit of extra money now to get a few more seasons out of those players when they would have been free agents. So it was a market inefficiency. It was something that wasn't happening at the time. The market wasn't doing it, but the Indians were able to kind of capitalize on it. And that's why we had Kenny Lofton and Carlos Baerga um, Albert Bell, Sandy Alomar, the rest of them in Cleveland. Because what the market wasn't doing, the Indians did do. What we saw last year in their trade downs, which they made a variety of them and which led to the number of picks that the Browns had, was that in the NFL, teams value specific players. They value getting their guy. And so they'll often give up two, three, and sometimes even four other players to move up a few spots because they're sold on their guy. The Browns, and there's actually been stories, uh, I believe they're both in SI and CBS Sports, about how the Browns kind of capitalized on that market inefficiency. And instead of being sold on very, very specific players, they really focused on getting good players and understanding the value of that market inefficiency. And so um, moving down a few spots to get more picks was a way of taking advantage of market inefficiency. Teams seem to value their guys, specific players, over chances at talent. The Browns capitalized on that, and they may again try to do that. But it's important to understand that market inefficiency or market efficiency can be very, very decisive for this Cleveland Browns organization. So how could that play out this year? There may be a limited amount, a limited number of quarterbacks. So the Browns will have to make a decision about what is the market telling them? Is the market telling them because there's a limited number of decent, top level, whatever term we're going to use, quarterbacks, Will the market come to them and want to, quote-unquote, overpay to get those quarterbacks? Or, because of how good the rest of the draft is, will the Browns look at the draft and understand that from an efficiency perspective, there are a ton of very, very good edge players, defensive linemen, and defensive backs that they can pass on a Miles Garrett because the market doesn't allow them, uh, doesn't allow a lot of other quarterbacks, so they take their quarterback early while then having the ability to bring in a ton of defensive talent later. It's all about understanding the market. Each market, each season, each trade, each round, that market changes. But it's an important concept for Browns fans. And, and maybe even the Browns in general to understand is market inefficiency or market efficiency. It's why the Jamie Collins trade made sense. They got a firsthand look 
at a player that, that they can now franchise or transition tag for basically the price of waiting a year for a draft pick. The pick they're going to give up to the Patriots is this year's late third-round pick, comp- compensatory pick for Alex Mack, most likely. But if they let Jamie Collins walk, they'll just get that same pick the following season. So basically, a one-year delay in a pick to get the opportunity to see what this top-level player is like and to have the power over that player with the tag options. That's the market. And market inefficiency and market efficiency are key terms for the future. So make sure when you see Browns making moves, you think about the market. Segment two for today may be a little very Jared-centric, and that's okay. It is my podcast, right? We are locked on Browns. We are locked on Browns. Presented to you by Jared K. Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. But something came up today uh, in conversations uh, actually with Pete Smith on Twitter um, that really made me realize that sometimes we don't realize what is influencing our decisions. And so for some people, uh, this year's draft is influenced by mistakes of the past, the Johnny Manziels and the Brady Quinns and the Tim Couches. For some people, it's uh, influenced by the past, passing on uh, Khalil Mack and then Derek Carr. For some people, it's influenced by wanting, uh, for Pete, it's really wanting a a unit that is feared, that can dominate, uh, that can take over. Well, I figured out, and I've always kind of talked about it a little bit, but I figured out that my biggest influence is the Cincinnati Bengals and the and Andy Dalton. Those of you who listen to the podcast a little bit know I always talk about Andy Dalton being good, getting in the way of great. But when I look at how I want the Browns to make decisions, I didn't realize totally until today how big of an influence they have on my thinking. And so let's kind of look at the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Not this season, not this current season where they're struggling, but the previous two seasons, many people would agree that the Cincinnati Bengals had the best roster in the NFL. They had the most talent in the NFL, kind of top to bottom, studs, kind of all over the place, Uh, just a, a ton of talent on the roster, but they were limited by their quarterback. And so for me... And again, without totally kind of putting two and two together uh, until today. But for me, what that tells me, based on kind of that influence, that tells me the Browns could put together the best defense possible and have some really great talent on offense. Look, they had A.J. Green and Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert and, and Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard and a lot of talent on their offensive line and their their defensive line with Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and um, Michael Johnson. And while their linebackers are slow, they had a lot of talent there, especially as uh, kind of run defenders with Ray Malaluga and Vontez Burfecht and even Vinny Ray kind of coming on. And then in the secondary, they had the Leon Halls and Jonathan Josephs and you name it. They've had a lot of talent. But they were held back by Andy Dalton. And so 
I think as I kind of try to understand the influences in my life and how they affect how I see the world, say the Browns skip out on a quarterback. Let's just say Robert Griffin III isn't the guy. Cody Kessler isn't the guy. They don't trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and again, if you want to follow some of my work, go to the OBR. Uh, com, the OBR.com Orange and Brown Report is a part of Scout Network. Uh, for our premium users tonight, uh, our weekly two for Tuesday between me and Brent Soboleski, who writes for us as well as for Bleacher Report, we kind of actually talked about RG3 and Jamie Collins and Terrell Pryor and some of those kind of things. But let's say the Browns pass. They try to make it by with Cody or or somebody like that or Maybe they take a shot at Colin Kaepernick as their kind of RG3 number two or just keep going with Griffin. And they bring in Miles Garrett. And they uh, – so he's a stud outside linebacker. And then they either take Jonathan Allen, who I think is going to fall a little bit more than people think in the first round down to our ninth pick right now, or they take Malik McDowell, or um, they get a corner really high. Maybe they get the, the best edge rusher and the best corner – or heck, maybe they pick Mike Williams, and so they've got Terrell Pryor, Mike Williams, and Corey Coleman just terrorizing people. Anything's possible, right? They can bring in a ton of talent, but will it matter? If the Cincinnati Bengals, with all the talent they had all over their roster the last two years, couldn't make it out of the first round of the NFL playoffs, does it matter? See, that I know is my biggest influence. Even though people will talk about the Baltimore Ravens of years past making make it through at Trent Dilfer, or even the point to last year with uh, the hobbled Peyton Manning uh, just being led by the run game, some talented wide receivers, and an amazing defense, or the Seattle Seahawks when Russell Wilson was really developing, or even Ben Roethlisberger when the Steelers were letting him develop as a young player, even as people will point to that, there's something about the Bengals. Maybe it's how close they are uh, because now I live in the Dayton area. And so maybe it's because of how physically close I am to them. Maybe it's because I think about how Hugh Jackson will think about his team building after having uh, Andy Dalton as his quarterback. Whatever it is, it's important that we all understand our bias. And for me, my bias is very, very simple. You need a great quarterback to be great. I also think with all of the picks that the Browns have, they've got to get their quarterback because they're going to have a lot of opportunities to bring in some other stud players. With four picks in the top 50, the Browns can have get three stud defensive players and still draft a quarterback number one overall. That's not popular opinion. But it is what I believe is going to happen. And for me, Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the primary reasons that it will. And finally, for our third and kind of short segment, um, this week the Browns actually play a football game. So after their bye week, um, there are a few fans really talking about the Bengals uh, and the game that the Browns and the Bengals play this week. And part of that is because neither team is playing well. Neither team has seen to, especially, obviously, the Browns are out of it. The Bengals were expected to be good, and uh, they're not. A.J. Green might be able to come back by Week 17. But this week, the Browns and the Bengals face off uh, in Cleveland. 
a one o'clock game. And really, what's the story? The story is Robert Griffin III. And so uh, the way the rules kind of work is the Browns can allow him to practice. But at some point, they're going to need to activate him to the roster. And he's not active right now. So they have this week to really decide to whether or not they want to activate Robert Griffin III, whether he's healthy enough, whether they believe in him enough. And so while the, the Browns get ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals, right now the Bengals don't know who the starting quarterback for the, the Browns will be. So while they know who they're going to go to war with without A.J. Green, they'll have Andy Dalton and all the rest of their guys. They don't know who the Browns are going to go with. And I think that's just a little bit of gamesmanship. And so I expect later this week, maybe even uh, on Wednesday, that the Browns will activate Robert Griffin III. They will name him the starter for the last four weeks. What he does with that four weeks might not matter. The Browns can continue to lose. They can struggle. He can get hurt. Lots of things. Or it could matter. It could matter because Robert Griffin III could show something. It could matter because Robert Griffin III could help the Browns win some games, therefore affecting their where they pick. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Browns winning two or three of their final four games? The Bengals are out of the playoff race, so that game doesn't seem to mean that much to at least their opponent. Seem. Now, crazy things can happen, but the Bengals are two and a half games out. Uh, against the Ravens and the Steelers. So doesn't seem to matter that much to the Bengals. So maybe that influences things a little bit. The Buffalo Bills next week, following week, are 6-6, six and six, but they're you know a good four games behind the New England Patriots um, and a couple games behind the wild card leading uh, Denver Broncos at 8-4. and four. So maybe that game won't mean that much to the Bills. Yeah, the Steelers in week seven is going to matter for sure. Seems like it's going to matter with them currently tied with Baltimore at the top of the division. But then the San Diego Chargers are down there at five and seven as well. So uh, maybe that week 16 game doesn't matter. So the Browns, who want to win games, are playing four teams that all had playoff aspirations going into the season. Only one of them really seems like they currently have any chance to make the playoffs. So what happens if Robert Griffin III leads the Browns to two or three victories? What happens if he shows something special in Hugh Jackson's offense? Browns fans are going to be pissed is one thing. They don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with that possibility of Robert Griffin III again starting next year. They also don't want to deal with the Browns drafting anywhere but number one. So even though fans want wins, are sick of the Browns being uh, 0-12 and and the idea of 0-16, they will be really frustrated. It's important to remember that wins in week 16, 17, 13, whatever, are the same in this context as a win in week 1 or 10 or 13. But either way, I expect Robert Griffin III to be activated, so someone's going to have to be dropped from the roster, and I expect Uh, him to be the starting quarterback this week for the Cleveland Browns. What about you? Again, get a hold of me on Twitter. It's at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. 
The rest of the week, we will focus on any news, any developments, uh, maybe a little bit talking about the draft some more, and the week, uh, the 13th game against the Cincinnati Bengals, a game that we expect to be a little bit weak. Thank you again for stopping by, and go Browns!